coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. That was beautiful. Thank you. I moved, honestly. <laughs> thought it was excellent. Best original song I've heard. Yeah, let's put that out for the Oscar. I think I think you could win. Taylor Swift would give you an award for it. It'd be great. Is it better than um, this song by Aerosmith that was nominated for a Razzie and an Oscar? I don't know. That's a really high bar. <laughs> I don't understand how it was. I understand. I mean, I do get how it was nominated for a Razzie, but like, it is just such a fun song to sing, like, scream, sing along to. I'm like, I don't know why you would ever think this is terrible. Just like, <laughs> live it, live it for a second. Like, it's just so fun. Have you that never been true. like drunk in your car in the rain, like not driving anywhere, just sitting, singing along to that? Because guess what? That's the thing I've done in a church parking lot. And you know what? It was fun. Um, <laughs> I was a passenger, just to be clear. But well, clearly it's iconic enough to get nominated for the Oscar. So I don't know. It's also very endearing. Everyone knows that song. Jeez. Razzie's people didn't know what they're doing. They never do. That's not true. Although <laughs> every year they make me mad. So it just depends. But there's always some controversial choices there, I feel like. Remember when they nominated, like, Mother for a bunch of them? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, some people just didn't like that movie, which is fine. But, like, I don't think it was a bad movie. It's not, like, Catwoman bad. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't even think you can argue that that's a bad movie. That's the thing with it. It was, like, that's, like, there, you don't really have any basis to say that, like, these aspects of it were bad. Like, Jennifer right. Lawrence was not bad in that movie. You can't say that. Yeah, and it did what it wanted to. Right. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. That's not actually relevant. Yeah. What is relevant is we are called Buzzed On Movies, and welcome to another installment of our weekly podcast. Well, usually a weekly podcast. Uh, we took a week off last week, sort of recovering from the holidays, but we're back here and ready to talk movies with you again. Maybe have a few drinks. Yes, I think that's the idea. Yeah, and That's the best I, part. <laughs> yes, getting a little buzzed. Uh, I'm your co-host, Teddy. And I'm Matt. And uh, so we're going to start off today talking about um, the Golden Globes results, which uh, that just took place this week. And uh, there's definitely a few uh, controversial picks in there that... Uh, <laughs> sort of came up in the uh, nominations phase and have followed through to the actual awards now. So, Yeah, uh, I uh, just some big shocks to me. I think um, we have discussed Bohemian Rhapsody to death. So seeing it win the Best Motion Picture Drama Award at the Golden Globes <laughs> was really jarring to me, I gotta yeah. say. Definitely not what I expected, especially given that there were plenty of other good nominees in that category too i mean this uh this movie beat if beale street could talk which is like a real drama first of all oh, what uh, <laughs> real drama it's like also like a good movie right it also beat you know what i think was generally considered the common you know the the consensus to win a star is born uh, yeah which was a massive upset i would say Definitely. I mean, A Star is Born is not only a superior drama, it's a superior music movie as well. Like, 
uh, Bohemian Rhapsody wasn't even the best music biopic in this category, <laughs> let alone the best picture. I just, it's insane. It's insane that Bohemian Rhapsody is now a Golden Globe winner for Best Motion Picture Drama. That Rami Malek won the Best Performance Drama yeah. award doesn't really bother me as much because he was really, really good. Yeah, he was great. And, you know, just like seeing who he was up against, it's like it's not really offensive to me on any level. But Bohemian Rhapsody winning Best Motion Picture is offensive. Like, it's just not a good movie, no matter how you feel about, like, Queen or Freddie Mercury and the liberties they took with it. It was just not well-constructed, so I don't really know. Like, it had nothing interesting. It was it was very much like a rote paint-by-numbers biopic. Would, why why is that the winner? <laughs> I, I tried to think about why everyone would just want to vote for it. I don't know. Maybe just because they all like Queen. That's got to be the only answer here. Yeah, but, like, people like Lady Gaga, too. I mean, it's not even, like, it was the only crowd-pleaser in that category. Everybody loved Star is Born. Everybody loves Lady Gaga. Black Panther was also a crowd-pleaser. Yeah. Like, honestly, yeah, if they were going for crowd-pleaser, you're right. I don't know, maybe... My only guess is maybe everyone was like, oh, everyone's going to vote for a Star is Born. We should do something different. I don't know. Uh, Some terrible sort of backlash but that would just like make me so mad if that were the case. So (laughs) yeah. Uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse did win best animated, which I thought was an awesome pick. Yeah. Um, And totally deserved. Definitely glad to see that one taking home some awards and hope that that'll carry through the Oscar season to end the tyranny of Disney Pixar. Just thank Um, God we didn't have to see Isle of Dogs win. (laughs) I I like that movie, but yeah, I, I like I Isle of Dogs, but it would have made, but it like was not the best animated feature film, right? But, and but I was so scared that everybody would be like, oh, it's Wes Anderson, so we should totally pick that. True, yeah. Um, even Wes Anderson doesn't do as well as he usually should at the award shows. No, he doesn't. Uh, and he's yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a whole thing. That yeah. I mean, there were some like wins that were expected too. Uh, something like Olivia Coleman winning Best Actress, Motion right. Picture, Musical, or Comedy. Uh, deserved and expected, I think. Uh, that was awesome. There were yeah. some upsets, too, in the acting. Glenn Close won for The Wife over Lady Gaga in A Star is Born. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a surprise. A Star is Born definitely um, not doing as well as you might have thought, although it did take home the um, best song, what sort of obviously... Of course, it was going to take on Best Song. I do think that this might be one case where we can kind of safely assume this won't be how the Oscars are going to play out. Um, I would just be really shocked if Bohemian Rhapsody wins Best Motion Picture. That's oh, all God. I'm saying. Best Picture, I should say. And um, if that happens. Just... <laughs> I mean, yeah. I would even be surprised if Olivia Coleman wins Best Actress at the Oscars. I, you know, um, so I, I wouldn't say, I mean, it would be deserved if she did. She was great. Um, I wouldn't be mad about it, but I, I wouldn't see the Oscars going for that as much. So, right. Yeah. It's, I still it think more Gaga's of a comedic role. So I think Gaga yeah. still got a lock, you know, on that one. I guess Glenn Close and The Wife. I just, I didn't like The Wife. So I don't know. I saw it after the Golden Globe nominations were announced. I didn't like it. I thought it was pretty. I don't know, schmaltzy, melodramatic, annoying. Uh, Glenn Close is always good, but the movie wasn't, so. Yeah. I don't know. 
hard for me to see somebody winning for a movie that wasn't good. Then again, that happens all the time. So, um, so uh, in other news this week, uh, we heard that uh, Regal is changing their policy for employees uh, getting to see free movies at the theater they work at. Um, I think, I, I mean, I've never worked at the Regal, so I don't know how the system worked before, but apparently you used to be able to get two free passes a day, and now they've changed that to two a week. Is that right? Uh, it's from what I understand, yeah. So, yeah. What a bummer. I mean, <laughs> I guess I don't really know what the purpose I don't, it's not like, they're letting their employees go to movies that are like going to be sellouts. Right. Right. So I mean, you never, what does it never really should. hurt? Um, well, it's, it's, know. it's just seen like, it seems like such a bad decision from like every angle. Cause it's, it's like really the one great perk about working at the movies. You're already getting paid like minimum wage. So the only real reason to work in a movie theater uh, as opposed to like a restaurant or something where you might get paid a little more is if you really like movies and want to see a lot of them. So this is what are gonna... you talking about? I work there solely for the free popcorn. <laughs> the free popcorn is a big uh, perk too. They're going to be limiting that next. Um, but so they're disincentivizing people. Like now they're people are just going to be like, well, if I'm, getting paid minimum wage and i don't even get to go to the movies why not just go work somewhere else um and also like just having your employees able to see every movie that comes out is really helpful to making sure your staff is knowledgeable about the product that you're putting out i I can't even i can't even think of the number of times when i worked at the theater people would ask me uh what's good right now like or what do you think of this movie and usually I'd have something to say about it because I was going to the movies all the time. I would usually have seen most things that were out. Right. And I, I actually think that's hugely important. I mean, yeah. it, they ask, and if you work box office, if you work concession, they'll ask every single time. Right. I mean, yeah. without fail. The number of people who come in and walk up to the box office and say, oh, what's good right now? Because they don't know what they want to see. They just know they want to go to the movies. You can help them. Like, and now, yeah, limiting that severely really does hurt the customer interaction. Yeah. So, and I think most people would be shocked to discover how often people don't know what they want to see when they show up at the movie theater. Uh, and if you have employees that can help with that, that's a good thing. You can uh, encourage them to see a movie rather than walk away feeling bored. And you can make them feel engaged like there's staff there who are trying to help them out. Uh, if your employees haven't seen the movies, they don't know what they're talking about. They're not going to be able to push you in the right direction. Right. They can't do anything for you. So yeah, I think it's a, there's really no winning with this decision. I don't really see the point. I guess at some point there must've been something cost related. I mean, it's a regal. What else Obviously. would it come down to? Yeah. Um, I know that like eating the cost of those tickets can be a lot, but I don't know. I feel like it couldn't have been, but so much. <laughs> I mean, employees so. at movie theaters are already paid so little uh, and generally have like no health benefits or anything like that. So come on, like the movies are the one good thing you're doing for your employees. Like don't cut back on that. That's crazy. Right. I mean, I know when I first started working in theaters, that was the main reason I started working there. I was like, I want to be able to see free movies. So yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I, I feel like I just, that's a lot of people. You got to incentivize sticking around. If you cut the one great perk out, there no one's going to want to stick around. Yeah. So um, hopefully, I mean, they are seeing a bit of backlash about that. Obviously, this isn't the most public story out there. It's a extremely niche. Most people probably don't care about the uh, employee benefits being received by Regal employees, but we sure do um, sure as do. people who've worked at the theater before. And uh, they're seeing a little bit of backlash from their employees, hopefully enough that uh, they'll reconsider this because uh, I think this is a pretty boneheaded move by Regal. It is. It is. I agree. Moving on to other services that allow you to view movies that are being cut back. Uh, I finally <laughs> canceled Movie Pass this week. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> that was probably a long time coming, although I have been able to see at least one movie every month up till now. It was becoming a lot more difficult. Um, and they just removed uh, all the e-ticketing from DC. So... There's really like no use for it anymore, at least around here. So I had to finally pull the plug on that. It's the end of an era in a way. That is sad. You know how I felt a few months ago. Um, I honestly am shocked that MoviePass hasn't like folded yet. It's still going, which is shocking to me. Yeah. I think so far they've managed to get so many people to quit that um, and they've cut down the number of movies that people are seeing so much that they're not really spending a lot of money anymore, but I can't like, there's still no way they're making money. Right. Cause they're still buying tickets at full price. So if anything, they're probably just dying more slowly than they were before. Right. And, uh, there are, they have been warned that they're going to be delisted from the NASDAQ soon. So, uh, once that happens, that's going to limit their ability to raise funds through stock purchases and is probably going to spell the beginning of the end for them. But we'll see. Rest in peace, MoviePass. Yeah. That was a good run. Definitely. Did you replace it with anything? Or is it just... I mean, I've been... Um, I've just been using the AMC A-list. Okay, yeah, um, makes sense. And obviously there's some drawbacks in that I, I can't uh, get tickets to the Landmark Theaters anymore or Regal, but like I couldn't... I couldn't use it at Regal basically because of MoviePass's own restrictions. They were really right. only good for the e-ticket theaters. But I feel like, you know, if I have to buy a ticket there like once every month or so, it's probably not going to end up being that much more expensive than having MoviePass. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I was already like regularly buying full price tickets even when I had MoviePass because I would like get advanced tickets to things. Right. So. I mean, all in all, I don't think it's really changing much for me uh, not having MoviePass because I can just go to the AMC for most things. And I've got a number of AMCs I can choose from um, between. Yeah, there are different ones. And some of mine have AMC independent uh, programs. So they show like a bunch of random stuff that you wouldn't get at most AMCs, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. There's a decent number of them around here. There's one that shows. Well, I mean they all show like a certain extent of uh, independent movies. It's hard to get like the much smaller releases. Those usually end up at landmark or Alamo, but um, there's some definitely. Right. Yeah. It definitely varies here. Not all of them are good about it, but yeah. Sorry to see that go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was, that's sort of what uh, got me back into uh, watching movies in the theaters. You know, not that I ever really went away, but certainly 
hadn't been seeing pretty much everything that comes out. Right. And then, yeah, MoviePass happened. I felt the same way. I mean, I had been because I'd been working in a theater right before the MoviePass thing happened, right. yeah. uh, before they dropped their prices to nine ninety nine. But I had just stopped working at one. So it was like a nice way to say, oh my gosh, I can still go all the time. But mm-hmm. then, yeah. Well, I guess that's not even true. Even after I stopped working in the movie theater, I still lived near the movie theater I worked at. So I still got free tickets for a while. But then when I moved away. <laughs> yeah. So. But yeah. AMC A-list is working out great for me. And I'm on the uh, Alamo wait list for theirs whenever yeah, they I set up. I can't wait for them to open that up around here. That'd be really good. Did they even get you on the wait list there? They do have a wait list, okay. but I, I feel like they have one everywhere. I just Okay, like, I just didn't know if they had it everywhere. Right, I, I, and they'll probably roll the whole thing out at different markets at different times. Yeah, I imagine Austin is first. <laughs> so uh, our, our next item to discussion is a trailer that we've both been seeing quite a bit recently. Uh, I think we actually talked about this a few episodes ago. I'm pretty sure we did, but the... It is literally unending nightmare hell. It has become much worse. Um, the trailer for Dog's Way Home is, of course, what we're talking about. Um, we've gone into more detail into just how terrible it is. Um, if you've been to the movies recently, especially for a family-friendly movie, you might have seen this trailer. Uh, if not, I can't exactly encourage people to look this up because it's just dreadful, but it's pretty bad. Um, Honestly, I think what I encourage is everybody to pour themselves a really strong drink, turn on the trailer, and then waterfall anytime you hear the Bryce Dallas Howard voiceover. Oh, God, no. You would be really drunk by the end of it, but you would have a lot of fun. Um, Yeah, enjoy that. Also, I don't know, maybe just like waterfall from the moment she says squirrel, squirrel, squirrel (laughs) through the end. No. Just like... Because it's like the worst part to me. It's just the way she says it. Like she goes, squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. And jumps out that window. And it like, my skin starts crawling. And I feel like I've like fallen into an abyss somewhere. Oh, like, God. It's horrifying. I don't know whose idea it was to resurrect the dog voiceover movies from the 90s. But uh, this is a terrible idea. How, but- when was the last one time that we had one? What was it? Like the, what was the uh, the shaggy dog movie? That happened. Uh, the remake with Steve. Yeah, Martin. Steve uh, the, Martin. That's what it, was that him? Okay, I think so. Yeah, that was in the early two thousands, I think. Okay, that seems right. I'm sure you're so, right. Yeah, so a while, like fifteen years ago, something like that. Okay. Oh God. Uh, yeah, this trailer has been haunting us. Basically, it's it's at the beginning of so many movies now, and it just never goes away. It's like everything I see. And so here's the downside to something like AMC A-List is that we are both seeing movies largely at AMCs right now. And so AMC is clearly getting A Dog's Way Home. So you're seeing it in front of like everything you see unless you're seeing like a hardcore adult film or something like that. You know what I mean? Like like a hard R. Like you're going to see this movie trailer. And so, you know, the past few movies I've seen have been like pretty family friendly. And even when they're not, they're like, the same there could be an overlap yeah. so i guess i've just seen it in front of literally everything recently yeah i don't think they're showing this one before the house that jack built um no otherwise uh, <laughs> otherwise sure, it's sure not. in front of a lot of these 
Um, the good news is that the movie opens in like three days from the time of recording. Um, yeah, that is the eleventh that it so opens. So likely by the time, by the time you hear this, the movie will probably be out in theaters. Um, so you can so, all go enjoy it in full. Oh yes, I'm sure people will flock to see this. Um, yes, yeah, so definitely, definitely go check out Dog's Way Home when this comes out. Uh, it's gonna be a blast. You'll laugh. You'll be. You'll cry. You'll mostly cry, probably. Well, it depends on not in a good way. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think it definitely wants you to cry. So let's let's temper that. <laughs> um, but there's a the money you spent at this movie. Yeah, you will. I really. I mean, if you spend money on it, you deserve to cry about that. So <laughs> I gotta say, this movie does not look like it deserves to have any money spent on it. I. Is Bryce Dallas Howard embarrassed? I don't know. I really want to know how she's feeling about this. Is she doing a red carpet like media tour for this? I I have a lot of questions. I don't know. I haven't like I haven't seen any advertising for it outside of the trailers. Uh so... I've seen a few like ad panels in oh, the subways, okay. but um otherwise, yeah, I haven't seen anything. Oh boy. So if you type a dog in Google, it's the first thing that comes up. And I'm like, man, that's so sad. Anything yeah. else could have happened. And the reviews are currently embargoed, so um, so it's going to be really bad. Yeah, just to be clear, that's what that means. That could be good if they're uh, still embargoed three days before release. <laughs> that's a bad sign. They do not want those reviews getting out. Yeah, uh, so that sucks to suck. Dog's way home, but don't make a bad movie, and maybe maybe you don't have to do that. Um, okay. Don't worry, you can go see it and be graced with some other great trailers like Ugly Dolls and Wonderland and everything else that's coming out in the next oh, few months. Boy. It's family friendly. Yeah, the last time I went, um, not well, not the last time, but when I went to see Mary Poppins recently, it was like, I don't know, like four out of the five trailers were just terrible. Yeah, um, <laughs> cringeworthy the whole, th- not, the whole time. There's some bad stuff coming out soon. Uh, but that's to be expected. This is like the the garbage first quarter of the year when we have a ton of bad movies just like being dumped in front right. of us. Yeah. So uh, before we get into this week's main films that we're going to discuss, uh, which are Vice and Aquaman, uh, the pairing that was always meant to happen. <laughs> um uh, what other movies have you been seeing recently, you know, the past couple of weeks? Yeah. So you mentioned Mary Poppins Returns. I also saw that, uh, which mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that movie. I thought it was good. Um, I have some slight issues with its like thematic intent versus like Disney as a whole. I don't know what what it's trying to say about money when it's coming from Disney, but whatever. Um but otherwise, I thought it was really sweet. Um I watched right. uh, the movie Everyone's Talking About Bird Box. Um super underwhelming but i guess uh-huh. that doesn't matter to the meme world um, yeah i haven't seen that but it's definitely getting a lot of talk online yeah it's all i mean it's all memes i think and those are genuinely funny i think the funniest thing about it was just like i tried not to watch it for a bit like as many days as i could and like there was that one meme going around like trying to figure out what bird box is about just from the memes it was just like <laughs> sandra bullock in a blindfold and i was like yeah that's how i feel right now what is this movie um so I watched it. I don't, I don't know. I have some friends who really, really liked it, but I was just completely bored with it. Uh, so I don't know. Um, did you ever see Bandersnatch? 
I did not see Bandersnatch. Ooh. I know you saw Bandersnatch. Um, I really liked it. I thought it was pretty unique. Uh, I've heard good things. Yeah. It's not not perfect, but uh, a very original uh, and innovative kind of film. I guess I just never caught on to the, the Black Mirror thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've seen a few episodes here and there. Like, I saw, um, what's the one that won awards uh, a few seasons ago? Um, San Junipero. Is yeah. that how you would say it? Yeah, yeah that one was so, um, pretty well received. Yeah, I watched that just because, you know, it had, like, queer content and everything. So, you know, I had to watch it. Um, and I saw some of the, like, first or two seasons. Like, I saw, like, an episode or two from that. And by that, I mean, I think I saw one from each. But otherwise, yeah, I never really watched it, and it didn't really, like, hook me. I think I saw the one where the guy could... Yeah, I saw the one where the guy could rewind his, like, memories and play them back over oh, and over. Um, that's good. But otherwise, I don't know if I remember too many that I watched. But I will watch it just because it's, like, innovative. You know, it's, like, an exciting thing. I don't know that I want it to, like... I don't really want to encourage it to be, like, the future of TV or movie, but... um. You know, right. it's cool. You know, I think if every movie was like this, it would definitely not be fun. But, you know, like once in a while, kind of right. unique. Um, What else? What else have we seen recently? Um, I mean, I know I saw Bumblebee personally. Um, okay. Yeah. Sucked it up and saw a Transformers movie in theaters for the first time since the second one. Um. Which, first of all, the fact that I saw the second one, I just embarrassed myself <laughs> on podcast. Um, but yeah, that was actually good. So that was really upsetting and jarring. And I was living in some sort of weird like reality where Transformers didn't make me want to rip my eyeballs out. Um, speaking of ripping eyeballs out, I started rewatching the Hostel trilogy. So oh God. <laughs> that's also happening in my life right now. Oh, boy. It's been a while since I've seen those. Yeah. So recently, I saw Mary Poppins, like I said. Um, also saw um, Escape Room, the new uh, horror slash thriller that's just came out like a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that one was surprisingly good. I thought, you know, not like a masterpiece, but still pretty fun. Definitely in good use of an hour and a half or so. And um Definitely seemed better than what it's getting on Rotten Tomatoes. What's it at right now on Rotten Tomatoes? Do you know? I think last I checked, it was fifty nine percent. So it's okay. like just on the cusp of rotten. Um, Honestly, for a horror, that's pretty decent. Yeah, and like the fact that it didn't have like a ten percent was what at first made me be like, okay, this might actually be good. I've just in general learned not to really trust the reviewers on horror unless it's somebody who's knows the territory, you know, because right. general reviewers don't really like horror for the most part. Even I went to the, the Rotten Tomatoes page and the, the one of the top headlines is escape room is creative, but unoriginal. So I have some questions about what that sentence means. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought that one was worth checking out. Uh, I also saw If Beale Street Could Talk this Sunday, which I thought was uh, amazing. It was uh, really beautifully shot, uh, very nice drama. Um, definitely don't feel like I can do it justice in just a couple sentences here, but I definitely think it's worth going to see, especially in theaters. Uh, it's amazingly well photographed. 
And I think that's about it for the last couple weeks. Sounds about right. I mean, it was the holidays. I know we've talked about how neither of us really see movies on holidays, unlike some families, apparently. So, Yeah, for me, like pretty much the whole month of December, I think I went like one time. Yeah, I just don't have time. Pass, um, and AMCA list. Uh, yeah, I just couldn't couldn't really find the time to do it. But since the new year started, I've been trying to you know get as many in as I can quickly while I have the time. Um, right. So I've seen some good stuff. And then obviously, also I saw the other two movies that we're going to be discussing today. I mean, that goes without saying. All right. So. Um, Moving into our movie discussions for this week, we thought we'd introduce our new, I don't even know what you'd call it really, like a rating scale for these movies. It's a feature. Uh, It's a feature. We have features now. Um. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We're calling this the blow scale right now. Uh, Blow standing for beer, liquor, or wine. You know. Um, Like you do. Like you do. Uh, and basically, it's just going to signify how we think this movie would be best be experienced. Do, is it sort of a fun kind of movie that you want to be drinking a beer during? Is it is it a little more classy or serious? It's um, a little more suitable to wine? Or is it something that you're really going to need a stiff drink for? And it's the liquor. Right. And there's some like nuance in there, I think, um, as we, we might find in this episode, in fact, Definitely. Um, yeah. some nuance in what beer, liquor and wine can really ultimately mean. But yeah, so yeah, it's, I think it's, it's a great a, way and it's on brand for our for our podcast theme here. It's very free form, so it may change from week to week, but we do have these three essential elements here that make up our movie experience. All right, we so, do. Starting with our first movie today, which is Vice. Uh, I personally thought this was a liquor film because um, when you see all the absolute atrocities that took place uh, in the aftermath of 9-11 and the war in Iraq, you're really going to need some hard liquor to wash it all down. So what kind of liquor did you choose? Uh, I thought whiskey would be more suitable. Just because I thought it was the sort of beverage you'd like to drink after shooting your lawyer in the face with a shotgun. Um, and, you know, it's, it's sort of like a country sipping thing. It'll, it'll take away the sting of that buckshot. And uh, it'll really even out your palate. Whiskey. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that's a good call based. Yeah. I personally chose a shot and just a shot, not a mixed drink, not something I can sip. I'm going to take a shot of New Amsterdam gin because New Amsterdam (laughs) gin purports to be a classy drinkable gin, but is actually the most disgusting nonsense you can ever imbibe, which is, I think, both what Dick Cheney is and what Adam McKay's movie is. So it's great. Um, Leading with the hot take. All right. Well, oh, I've got some hot takes about Vice here. If you're going to do a shot, then I guess I should do one, too. Oh, I'm going to, so I'm not forcing you to. If you're going to be sipping, you know, whiskey. Well, um, if you're going to make me, fine. God, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm twisting your arm. I know. Physically, how are you doing that? 
well, I don't know, something about, <laughs> I don't know, some sort of evil, ominous thing. Um, I don't know. You've got the powers. Traps. You've got the powers of the witches in Suspiria. You're twisting my arms from a distance. Oh, so frightening. I don't even want to think about that scene. <laughs> All right. Well, bottoms up. Bottoms up. Oh, dear God. Yeah. Is that smooth and drinkable? You know what? It makes me want to die. <laughs> All right. So um, that's a suitable note to start our review of Vice. So as most of you probably know, Vice is an account of um, well, Vice former Vice President Dick Cheney's uh, early life leading into uh, his assuming the vice presidency and then uh, a bit of a more in-depth look at his time in office and uh, his involvement in 9-11 and the war in Iraq. Uh, and it's uh, directed by Adam McKay, who also did the big short. So it's got... And Talladega Nights. Yeah, and Talladega Nights. So it's got um, sort of his signature style to it, which is um, a mix of serious political commentary and humor and a lot of uh, breaking of the fourth wall um, addition of uh, little elements that sort of explain more complicated topics while keeping things light at the same time. So I think that actually is a good point to start our discussion on because I think that describing that as his signature style is sort of misleading because that's only been his signature style for now two movies. Like before right. that, he was doing Anchorman and Talladega Nights and stuff like that, which was like not my kind of comedy by any stretch of the imagination. I'll be the first to admit that he's not my brand of humor. But like I thought they were at least like a cohesive brand for him and they made sense and they were well crafted for what they are. Um, his new brand is this like political commentary. And that's not to say that old movies were without his old stuff was without political commentary. I think Talladega Nights is very clearly sort of an indictment of the culture of its era. Like right. and it's An very obvious. <laughs> well Anchorman is pretty is a little political as well, but the sequel yes. especially gets into a lot more um sort of at least societal critique, if not outright right. political critique. I couldn't really get through the the sequel. I started it and then I fell asleep and then I fell asleep again and then I was like, never mind. This is just not for me. But yeah. um yeah, so it's not to say that he's ever been without commentary. I think a lot of his movies has featured commentary, especially like running commentary on certain aspects of like masculinity and stuff like that. I think that's been a fixture of his comedies um, is him just like skewering it, you know? But mm -hmm. I think that his new thing is to take these like politically charged events, like real events, and make them into these like weird like comedy dramas where he also has to explain like the background over and over through, like you said, people giving us sides, like Margot Robbie is suddenly here telling us what like these like tax things mean. Like, um, okay, great. <laughs> That's the yeah. big short for those of you who are somehow unfamiliar with the big short. Um, yeah, no, I think I think it is a, a signature style but it's definitely a more recent one compared right. it's to his definitely early like it defines what he's doing now yeah like and it's it's very you know it's very much his brand it's not like yeah i i see what you mean i'm just saying it's like it's a new newfound thing because mm -hmm. for i think that a lot of people know adam mckay movies but don't i mean 
these are like his new brand. They're not really what he used to be. Um, which is strange. I don't know why he's taken this turn. Um, I don't know what made him go this route. Uh, normally I'm on board with people going political. I think that so far I have not been, uh, totally enamored with his turn towards it. I thought the big short was fine. Didn't think it was, you know, amazing, but yeah. Um, now we have ice. Yeah. yeah. I, I really like the big short. Uh, I thought it was great. Um, this one definitely feels like he's trying to, uh, build off of that success. Um, part, partly with a little bit less effectiveness than in the last movie, but I still thought it was pretty good overall. And while there were missteps overall, the movie worked pretty well in what it wanted to accomplish. What did you think it wanted to accomplish? Um, I thought it wanted to as best as you can give sort of a backstory to Dick Cheney, um, sort of explore his motivations and then, um, really get into what an absolute piece of shit he is. Um, and it basically did that. It was a little, um, it was a little overly complicated. I thought was my main critique. It, um, it tries to do too much. Basically it like the, it spends a lot of time trying to give him motivation by explaining his backstory, but you don't really come away with a lot of a feeling that you actually understand his motivation, even after all that. And as a result of trying to spend so much time on his backstory, the part about uh, his time in office is compressed a bit as well. So you sort of a lot in that section of the movie, a lot is sort of thrown at you. So you're, um, you're not given as much time to process it. Yeah. But like my, I thought that like, it's still, landed for the most part but it was kind of just like a flurry of different stuff from dick cheney's life happening right so to be upfront, i like hated this movie like full-on hated it but i thought one of its biggest errors was like i don't understand why it spent so much time on the early parts and then gave itself no time to explore the biggest atrocities that this man committed like it didn't didn't spend any time on what he did in office really it was like here we are we're 9 11 and now like i don't know 40 minutes later all of a sudden he's not the vice president anymore and i was like what <laughs> he spent so much time in that office he did so yeah. many terrible things and we really breezing over them and well, that's not did. to say he didn't do bad things before or wasn't interesting before but it's like maybe the runtime either needed to be longer or you needed to find another way to do this yeah like and they did cover the torture memos the um the extraordinary rendition right and um the uh all the terrors of guantanamo bay uh were sort of touched on but, but like yeah. touched on you know what i mean yeah. like a lot of those were touched on but not really explored whereas we you know he explores a lot of his early, like he spends a lot of time in his early and random stuff in his life i mean there's an entire scene that is built i mean spoiler alert anyone listening there's an entire scene where we have to watch the credits scroll. We have to watch a credit <laughs> crawl for no, like it literally serves no purpose. It is just him thinking he's funny. It's not cute. And it's like about 10 minutes wasted on that entire scene that could have been spent on actually exploring real things about Dick Cheney that are worth exploring. Oh, because see, that's the, it is. He didn't tell us anything about Dick Cheney that we didn't already know. Like, like 
uh, what, what did we learn here? Like, we know he's terrible. I don't even know if the movie thought he was terrible half the time. I think that joke was pretty funny, though. Like, I mean, at least in the theater I saw it in, a lot of people laughed during that part, probably more so than in any other part of the movie. And um, it sort of gives the audience... So it it ends... It sort of does a fake ending for the movie right before he becomes vice president and sort of imagines what it would be like if he just never became vice president. And then like, that's where the movie ends. And it sort of gives the audience a chance to um, partake in the fantasy of what if Dick Cheney never was what Dick Cheney, if he never became the vice president. And as a result, maybe none of this shit happened. Who knows? I guess the point to me is that it was like, it was useless because like, we know he does. Like there's no fantasy world worth entertaining here. Like he he became vice president and he did these terrible things because George W. Bush was a terrible and basically pushover president himself. Like, yeah. you know, um, so it was like, I don't really know what we're accomplishing here. Like we all know how this plays out. And like, it's a nice idea that there might be an alternate reality in which Dick Cheney was not a big fixture in our lives, but he was. And now we all have to live with his the consequences he has created for us. Um, but I don't know. It just didn't really do anything for me. I didn't understand why we were doing it. I, I the whole movie to me felt like patronizing. It like he does this thing where he feels like he the whole movie felt like it thinks it's better than its viewers, and that was really cemented by that stupid end credit scene, which made me so mad. I wanted to like throw something at my <laughs> movie screen, like. I'm sure you stick around for it, right? The mid credit scene. Um, I'm assuming, oh, yes. Do you mean, do you mean at the, oh, the end credits, like the actual yeah, like, credits, not the fake credits in the middle? Not the fake credits, the <laughs> actual credits. Right. Okay. Yes. The one where they're like fighting in the, uh, in the, uh, right. yeah, the study room. Because that scene, first of all, made me so angry. So there's a lot of, okay full i guess like layout of the scene is the the movie has ended uh we have gone through the entire presidency and slash vice presidency of dick cheney but presidency that he was vice president for and all of that has happened blah 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 blah. the movie ends the credits are scrolling and then there's a mid-credit scene because everyone likes to have a stinger now which is another trend that someday i would love to just rant about for like 20 minutes but why i need it to end but like they have this scene where it's like there's this been this whole running theme of like a test group of people testing like certain messaging, I guess, like political test groups, you know, uh, which is right. a common thing. We all know that that exists, um, that people like test their brand and stuff to like random audiences. And they we go back to that group, which already doesn't really make sense if you've paid attention to the movie because they're testing like Dick Cheney's early brand here with the same group who we now see testing a brand that clearly knows Donald Trump because a guy wearing a football jersey starts arguing about being pro-Trump and then some guy with a beard starts arguing about being anti-Trump and the guy's like, oh, you are probably Hillary. And they get into a physical fight, uh, which is already offensive to me because I'm like, we're now basically saying that being militantly anti-Trump is the same as being militantly pro-Trump, but whatever. Um, and then that girl, the that is what it's saying. <sighs> it may not be what it's explicitly saying. That is the implication. And then that girl turns to her friend and says, I'm so excited for the new Fast and Furious movie. It's going to be lit, which is the most condescending thing you can say. Adam McKay, the crossover between old Adam McKay movies and Transformers fans is like literally that Venn diagram is a circle. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Like, 
Transformers and Fast and Furious. Sorry, I'm, I've got Transformers on the brain because of Bumblebee. But like the crossover there is extremely high. So don't pretend that you're better than Fast and Furious fans. Like you're, you have the same audience for most of your cinematic career, Adam McKay. Yeah, fair enough. The and Fast also, and there's the nothing movies. wrong with liking Fast and Furious. You can still like that and be completely politically aware and like involved because I'm somebody who really likes the Fast and Furious movies. The later ones became super fun and over the top and knew that they were. So the they later just ones are better. They know it. what they're doing. Yeah. They and exactly I am also extremely politically aware and involved and active all of the time. So the idea that like people are like ignoring like the fights that are happening in front of them politically for Fast and Furious is so condescending and so like offensive and insulting to the audience that's sitting in the movie theater watching you. Like, don't insult moviegoers. Like, that's <laughs> why is that who you're insulting? Like, that's and a fair like, point, there's, yeah. it's great that like you want to say that we are all culpable for like what happened. We let Dick Cheney happen. I totally agree that nobody should be let off the hook for that. Um, yeah. First of all. Don't make it be about millennials and the young people because we were too young to not have elected George W. Bush. I couldn't like I had no say in that election. Like, don't make it the young people in the room. Like, we all know that the young people are the ones fighting for change right now. Right. Like, um, second of all, like, just why are we doing like, why do we need to insult people? It doesn't make any sense. And like the whole movie had this tone of just like, he thinks he's really smart and great. And I think Adam McKay always does that, but like really just like driving that nail home with that scene made me so mad. Like it was so insulting to me. Yeah. That's a fair point. Yeah. I, I just think that the, the point there wasn't to say that like both people are equally at fault. I think it was supposed to, sort of show like this is where we are now politically like nothing is if anything things have gotten worse in terms of how divided people are and how like everyone's on a side now but uh i don't think they were necessarily passing judgment on the equivalency of those two sides uh, i definitely get what you're saying about the um the fast and the furious comment that felt a little tacked on there and unnecessary but uh yeah. I guess to me, it just felt like they were basically saying, like, look, these two people are the same. And I mean, they're just not the same. Being pro, yeah. being like fervently pro Trump and being fervently anti Trump are not the same thing. And so by basically aligning them as like saying that they're like the same thing, just like two sides of the same coin, basically, is what it was going for, is like very like wrong headed to me from a movie that purports to be anti conservatism, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure that it is either. I think it's anti a specific type of conservatism. I, I mean, it is still like a capitalistic endeavor. So how anti-conservatism can you be? But like, you know, like it, it's just like you don't you don't try to say that they're two sides of the same coin. They're not being pro-Trump is one whole other thing that's bad. Like, <laughs> yeah. so I do think I mean, I think it's important to note that there is a direct correlation and line between like the Cheney Bush era to now. And I think that the movie pulling on that is right. I think that that's, that's yeah. correct. That's how a Cheney and George Bush era movie should be made. It should be saying that is, I mean, we couldn't be here right now without that. I mean, I yeah, would also love to see how the movie. I took it. 
about how we couldn't be here without the Clinton era where Clinton and the Monica Lewinsky thing happened. Like we couldn't be where we are now without that. So, I mean, there's a lot of like direct correlations to be drawn to past presidencies. And I would love to see all of the movies do that. I just think this movie did it in sort of like the most misguided possible way because it felt like it was coming from a place of like being better than its audience. And that's not okay. Like it's not, you're not better just because you paid attention and made a movie about it. Like we all paid attention to like, (laughs) I promise. Yeah. What did you think about the uh, performances in this movie? Great. I mean, that's the best part of the movie. Uh, Christian Bale was awesome. Amy Adams is Amy Adams. Um, She's always amazing. So I think that that was one thing that kept me, at least while I was watching it, from like wanting to leave. Um, I, I thought that, I mean, Christian Bale is always transformative in his roles, I guess. That's just his thing now. Um, yeah. He's going like, to try to like take over that Daniel Day-Lewis role, I guess. Um, <laughs> God, how much weight must he have gained for this one? Like he is, and the craziest part was I didn't realize that he went through like all the different stages of that weight gain within the movie. I thought it was just going to be him as fat Dick Cheney the whole time. But you see him as like the young Dick Cheney, the slightly older Dick Cheney. You get to actually see him like put on all that weight. Yep. Crazy. But it's insane. (laughs) It worked really well. It did. Um, He was really, I mean, he deserves every bit of praise he gets for this movie. Um, He was excellent. Christian Bale is always very good. I mean, he might be kind of loony. Am I not? Am I mistaken on that? But uh, he is, he's a phenomenal performer and he really, really hits it out of the park here. Oh, one of my favorite things uh, about the Golden Globes is when Christian Bale thanked Satan in his uh, acceptance speech for inspiring him to to portray such an evil man accurately. Not wrong. Not wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Um, speaking of satan and inspirations i feel like another key inspiration here was like both for the movie and christian bale's performance was like house of cards and frank underwood like like everything about it felt so much like the way that's done and the way kevin spacey did that and i don't even get into kevin spacey and how kevin spacey's inspiration for his existence might be satan but like (laughs) um like 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 that scene at the end where christian bale as Dick Cheney turns to the camera and has his speech like was so reminiscent of it. And I think it was intentionally. So I think the movie knows that it's like living in the post house of cards era. Yeah. Um, um, And it's like frightening and Christian Bale really sells it right there in that moment where he's really just like emanating this, like Frank Underwood terrifying, like you don't, I'm doing the wrong things, but I'm doing it for you. So you shouldn't be mad at me attitude, which is like so horrifying, but you know, something that we've come to think that people might actually believe, I guess, thanks yeah. to things like House of Cards. <laughs> I thought that part was great because you didn't have to necessarily agree with what he was saying to believe that that could have been his motivation. And yeah. to think that, like, he still could be an evil person, even if that is his motivation. Right. You're um, absolutely still evil. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, it's, I, I, I like that scene. Uh, I definitely thought Christian Bale. Um, his whole performance was amazing. Uh, I also really liked uh, Sam Rockwell as George W. Bush. It was oh yeah, definitely not as prominent a role, and um, he basically portrayed as you know kind of bumbling, uh, trying to impress his father for the most part. 
Um, and I like the scene where George W. Bush shows up to like that White House party, just like plastered, and like trips over a yeah. trash can. I was like, "Is this a true story? Can someone confirm this?" Yes, I, I want. I want to know if this really happened because I believe it. But yeah, like that that worked really well. I thought the two of them especially played off each other really well as well. They did. I do think Sam Rockwell was also really, really excellent. I mean, I really like Sam Rockwell. Um, I think he's always really good. Yeah. I think, I mean, in general, the cast was great. I mean, even like Steve Carell as Donald Rumsfeld was like, oh yeah, that was I, so good. I didn't he, even know I he was going to be in there. No, me neither. I had no idea. There were moments, I don't know um, if as you felt the same way when you were watching it, there were like certain lines and deliveries that were so like, I just thought I was watching a Michael Scott, like out of his depth <laughs> moment. I was like, I'm yeah. living in a weird place right now. <laughs> like, um, But that also seems right that, um, you know, somebody in the Bush administration from the Republican side would just be Michael Scott. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Donald Rumsfeld is basically just Michael Scott. Just basically Michael Scott. I mean, yeah, the whole I mean, the whole cast was good. I mean, we haven't even talked about like like Jesse Plemons in there as like you're like every man who's just like narrating the film. Mm -hmm. But like being like over and over just being like completely like like screwed over by the Republican policies being passed. Like, what did you think of that device? Like of him being the narrator and then the twist uh, near the end where it turns out that he's the, uh, the donor for Dick Cheney's replacement heart. I mean, I thought it was a a sort of clever way to like, just depict the, the real person struggles, you know, of what, of what Dick Cheney's policies that he pushed were really doing to people because it's hard to do that when you're spending so much time in the white house and in the political machinations Mm -hmm. and everything, it's hard to show like the everyman reality. And I think that was a good way to sort of do it. I don't know that it always succeeded. I feel like until you get the moment where he's like going off to war after nine 11, you don't really get that it's going for like showing like the actual consequences. It just seems like he's living like a normal life. Um, in yeah, retrospect, to pick up on see it what it's doing, like after you've seen that part. But um, I don't know how successful it is otherwise. Um, I mean, it was when the character, you know, again, we've already said spoiler alert, but he gets hit by that car. Um, I jumped. I was like genuinely shocked. So, <laughs> yeah, that was um, surprising. I really didn't know that he was going to be like the heart donor. That way, I kind of thought that, like, while Dick Cheney was in the hospital, he'd walk in and be like, I'm, like, some, long, some like, cousin or something just here to visit, you know? I don't know. Um, yeah. But then he was, was like... like, a relative or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, it turned out to be, you know, his donor, and that does make sense. And um, I thought it was, like, a good way to, to do it. Of course, then he kept narrating after dying, but um, that was yeah. confusing. <laughs> I, th- I mean, I like Jesse Plemons too. So like, I, that's like a sort of easy sell for me. I was like, oh, great. I get to see him. This is fine. Yeah, he's um, always good. He's funny. He's great. Um, he's a delight. So I thought that was good. I mean, I thought um, one of the more interesting, I mean, so the movie makes a lot of like cutesy references to like Donald Trump, right? Like it like does a lot of like winking nods to like random, like current era policies that are happening, you know? Um, but one of the like craziest things is just seeing like Amy Adams's Lynn Cheney go out on the early campaign trail when um, Cheney has his his one of his heart attacks, of which there are so many, and um, just like stop eating the way you do for like a second, Dick. But um, 
<laughs> like, um, he like Lynn Cheney's like, well, we're not going to let him lose this election. So she goes out there and she just starts talking about how like minorities are taking white people's jobs and places in college. And it's just like an exact parallel to what we see right now every single day. And it was like so frightening. I was like, that's not even like a cutesy nod to it. That's just like reality. Like they've been saying it then they're saying it now. Like yeah, no, it's just the same stuff again. But it's like funny because like the way she does it, you see it in the movie. She just sort of is like making it up on the fly. Like she's going out there and starts yelling. And like the campaign manager is like, Lynn, let's get you out of here. And she's like, no, I'm doing this. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God. Like this is working. Come on. Yeah. It's like just like highlighting how like, I mean, how BS the whole idea is, right? Like, like, does she even believe it? I don't know, but it works. It gets people yeah. elected. Um, which Lost is of course what they say Dick Cheney was right in the movie. They're saying that he was basically, you know, there's that part where he turns to Donald Rumsfeld and he's like, so what do we believe? And Donald Rumsfeld just laughs. Um, yeah, they're basically saying that the Republicans don't have any beliefs. They're just seeking power. I think that's a dangerous idea in general, but, um, cause I think they do have beliefs. I think that they just have terrible beliefs. Um, yeah. Well, and there's this scene too, where, um, he decides on like the first day of his internship with Congress, that he's going to be a Republican based on just wanting to work with uh, Donald Rumsfeld and just basically decides his political beliefs on the spot. He's just like, yeah, yeah I'm going to go where the power is. I think um, there is something to be said. Like, so I think that that's, I think the movie's philosophy of like these specific types of Republicans is interesting because I think that there is something to be said for the idea that some of them were following like a cult of personality like Dick mm-hmm. Cheney is p- depicted as doing here. Um, I'm just not sure that it's like, that's really the right way to present it. Cause I'm not sure that that's like generally like how the politicians are. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like a lot of times it's like, I mean, it's no secret that a lot of people who are screwed over by Trump's policies vote for Trump every single day. Right. Like, <laughs> and like, that's obviously a cult of personality thing here. Like people just like that. He's like brash or whatever. And also they're racist. But, like, I don't know that we need to say that Dick Cheney's out here just, like, just doing it just because he doesn't have any beliefs in his hollow. No, I think Dick Cheney was actually, like, an evil person. Like, <laughs> like, so, I don't know. I don't think that the movie shies away from saying he's evil, either. Well, you, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. but... You, you can, can do both. But I think that he generally care how you uh, get to the top, or you can be evil and also, like, really care about abortion or... um whatever other things he supposedly stands for in this movie. Um, right. But it's questionable whether he took up those policies because he knew they'd get him votes or whether he believes those already and right. he's trying to get votes. I guess what it kind of highlighted is just how little we actually really know about Dick Cheney, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like who really is he? I mean, he really didn't have like a ton of credentials that got him to any of the positions he was in. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was surprised <laughs> to see that he was just like some sort of day laborer working on the telephone lines. And then like a few years later, he was like a congressman and then the vice president. It's pretty remarkable to see. Um, with a less um, horrible person, it might be an inspiring story. Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, it, is, it turned out he sucked. <laughs> yeah, as it is, it's kind of terrifying. But um, oh. it, it did really sort of make me realize, like, I didn't know any of this stuff. And 
yeah. the movie sort of raises as many questions as it answers about his motivations and his backstory. Um, cause still like, how did he rise to power that quickly? How, how was he so effective at getting himself, um, in the room with all these influential people and ingratiating himself and working his way up when he didn't really have that sort of background. Right. Um, or like a skill set. I think one of the, like I've read a lot of, um, you know, like reviews of the film and, and since seeing it. And I think a common theme I saw was people saying, you know, even if we're critical of our politicians, we have to depict them as evil geniuses, not just like evil. They have to be genius. And I'm like, because that's what they were saying this movie did with Cheney. And I don't really think that it depicts him as an evil genius. He kind of seems like he like bumbles his way through most of it. Yeah. Like he never comes across as particularly smart to me. Um, He just doesn't really say anything. And so by not saying anything, people think that he's on their side. Yeah, it never seems you know? like he's really like he has a master plan or he's some sort of uh, he's like always scheming. He just sort of knows um, how to get power. Um, he knows like the right people to talk to, the right people to get in with and just sort of works that um, right. to the most extremes he can possibly push it to. Um, right. It doesn't, you know, I mean, when he sees the ability to take advantage he does but it's not like all going by some grand master plan he's kind of winging it for a lot of the movie yeah i feel the same way so um i thought that was i mean yeah i think he's intentionally kind of inscrutable like there's no real interiority on dick cheney here it's very much like just like the camera's looking at him but we don't know anything about what he's thinking other than what he does and that's kind of a hard way to do basically like a biopic, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. And so. they sort of address that at the beginning when they're like, we tried like the best we could to get into his head and explain like why he does what he does. And um, like, this was what we came up with pretty much. I can't remember exactly. But I mean, there's the really no, was. no, I know what you mean though. Um, but there's really no source here, right? Like this is just sort of like history is the source. Yeah. So there's really no, we don't know what he was thinking or feeling during any of this. We have no idea. Mm -hmm. So what a strange, yeah. yeah, that's like a weird place to be for something like a, something that's supposed to be sort of like, you know, a biographical drama about this man. There's no backstory. We don't know it. Like we don't know what, where they're really pulling from with some of it. So Right. Like, you know, yeah. like stuff like his fight with his wife in the in the early scenes like that. Where's that coming from? You know. But. It's interesting, maybe from like, I know the daughters have written books, but some of it could come from that. But I don't think I like either of the daughters, so <laughs> uh, I definitely don't like the one who sold her sister out. But I also don't like the lesbian sister who's a Republican, so I don't really know what to make of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that that uh, the whole subplot with his daughter was supposed to, you know, it gave him like a bit of a soft side, perhaps up to the point that he just completely sold her out. Um, yeah. And I mean, I it's it, it, I mean, even like when he was I remember when he was, you know, a big name and was a fixture, it was sort of always like like nobody could talk about it because like he does in the movie, he won't cross that line. 
um, while he's running, but it was always like everyone knew and it was sort of pushed as like a soft side to him. Like he, he loved his family, so he wouldn't do that. Um, of course that all turned out to be a lie because he encourages his daughter to sell their, their other daughter out, but yeah, all for political power. So it worked. Um, She's still in office. There, yep. She made headlines this past week. So terrible. Hate that. Anyway, um, <laughs> the Cheneys are an evil family is my basic takeaway from this movie. Just like all of them They're They all suck. Um, but I mean, I feel for the lesbian daughter who had parents who were anti-gay, but also she's sticking with the Republican Party, so I don't know what you want from me. Um, <laughs> like, I'm not. My sympathies are gone for people. If, not, with that now. if you can't help yourself, then others can't help you. So, right? There's no hope. <laughs> uh, oh, here's an interesting question. Did you know that was Tyler Perry as Colin Powell? I did <laughs> know that was Tyler Perry. You did. I had to wait till the credits to find that out. I had no idea. I just know what Tyler Perry looks like. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've seen him in other movies. I just, I did not recognize him at all. It doesn't really look, yeah, he looks, di- yeah. Um, but that I thought that was funny, actually. Tyler yeah. Perry being in this movie. Um, as Colin Powell, who is definitely one of the more conflicted figures from this era. Yeah, um, <laughs> one of the few people who comes out looking sort of okay, just right. in the fact that at least he had objections at some point. Right. Although he is, I mean, he's a, yeah, I, you know, I just struggle with Republicans now. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, I don't know. I guess Powell did endorse Clinton, so I, I don't hate him. But like, um, yeah, I thought that he did come out looking. He got out of it okay, you know. Um, yeah, he didn't want to give that speech before the UN, and they basically like forced him to, saying that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. Right, um, right. Oh, sorry, I was just looking at some of the other people in the movie, like Condoleezza Rice. I was like, did she come out looking okay? Like, what's she? Is she okay now? Um, no, not really, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, most people from the Bush administration did not come out looking okay, but Tyler Perry played one who did. You know, in the grand scheme of Bush administration, folks, <laughs> better than like a Scooter Libby, you know? Yeah. Not um, that that's hard to do, but. It says that Christian Bale gained 45 pounds, shaved his head, bleached his eyebrows, and exercised to thicken his neck for the role. To, he exercised to thicken his neck? <laughs> How, I didn't even. <laughs> I just want to go back to that for a second. Um, so, just to like by comparison, Christian Bale lost sixty-two pounds for The Machinist. Yeah, no, that that's still probably the craziest thing he's ever done. Uh, he was like under a hundred pounds for that, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, he was really, really thin. That's like horrifying and also remember that after the machinist he only had he had under a year to get ready for batman begins so yeah and he's um, super jacked up in that one i'm just saying that in about 15 years we're gonna hear some horror stories about christian bale's health and we're all gonna know why yeah like you gotta stop doing this christian this is a plea christian come on the pod we'll talk to you about it yes (laughs) you need help we'll help you (laughs) we're here for you (laughs) we love you christian (laughs) 
I think he said that this was like the last big transformation he was going to do. Oh, God. Um, Thank God. If you saw him on the Globes, he's back to his regular weight. Yeah, yeah, he is. um, He's clearly gotten very good at like taking it back to base level. Thank God. I mean, he really doesn't need to be doing that. Mm -hmm. His next movie is what? Yeah, Ford versus Ferrari. So he should be normal for that one. So everything should be okay now. Yeah. Um, but it is another like biopic. He's he's getting into this. I think he wants some awards. Well, do you have anything else you'd like to say about Vice? No, I mean, uh, yeah, I I definitely get your criticisms on this. Um, I didn't think, and I can get the appeal either. if you can look past like what I see as its attitude towards its viewers. Um, yeah, but. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was fun and uh you know sort of revelatory in a way. I mean, I knew most of the stuff that happened in it, but I I know this is like some of the stuff's going to be a surprise for some people. Um so maybe right. it'll you know sort of get the conversation going a little more. Right. And I mean, Adam McKay always has like a really like lively editing style, which at least is like laudable, you know. Yeah. His movies always look fun. Like They do. Visually. Yeah. Yeah. Very entertaining. All right. So that was Vice. Um, you know, All right. I'll finish off the last of the whiskey here. All right. So for our next movie, Aquaman. Um, yeah. What, what would you give this on the blow scale? So I picked a beer. Uh, specifically, I picked the Coney Island Brewing Company's Merman IPA. Ooh. Uh yeah, really, I'm going for I'm going all in on the brand here. Um, <laughs> and uh, I picked that because I think that while I genuinely thought this was a good film, um, I definitely think it's like a kickback, put your feet up, easy drinking, sip some beers, like have a good time watching it. Like it is meant to be a rowdy, fun movie. It is not meant to be anything more serious than that. Like you don't need wine that's for sure and i mean i could see somebody if they want to like really go ham they could they could have some liquor and have a good time but like i choose beer so yeah i also chose beer for this one i thought it was you know kind of a fun laid back uh just don't take it too seriously kind of movie and uh so i thought beer fit in well with that uh i'm personally drinking a bud light because it's pretty close to water and there's a lot of water in the movie (laughs) honestly it yeah i should have chosen bud light you know how i feel about bud light and it is very positive um but i just couldn't resist when i saw the merman ipa on the shelves i was like yeah and like the logo is like a a man with like long gray hair and like pure white eyes and i was like yeah (laughs) that's it and he's holding a trident um you know a good good old tridents um so yeah i had to pick it so i'm gonna open that now all right but so basically Aquaman uh, for those of you who don't know is well first of all is in the DC expanded universe this is a DC comics movie um, which is it, never a good place to start but we'll g- yeah. give it a chance give it a chance yes please um, and the whole movie basically it takes place after Justice League this is a post Justice League film Uh, Aquaman is already like an established hero at this point in the movie, like from the outset. And basically it opens with him like 
taking down like various criminals on the sea or whatever. Well, there's like a prologue thing with his mom, um, but that's like some basic star-crossed lovers, mom from the sea, dad from the land. They have a baby. They can't stay together. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, so Aquaman is raised by his dad on the land. But then Aquaman becomes a hero and starts just like saving random boats on the sea and stuff like that and doing whatever Aquaman does, which is drink and save people, uh, which also, by the way, is my lifestyle. So great. Um, <laughs> Drinking so, and saving. Yeah, I save a lot of lives. Um, so the basic premise is Aquaman is the heir to the throne of Atlantis through his mom's side, his mom from the sea, and the his half brother is like evil and is taking over the throne to wage war against the land so they're like aquaman come back and take the throne yeah uh so the whole plot is just aquaman trying to actually best his brother and get the throne back so that they don't have to go to war between the sea and land because aquaman sees that they could actually come together so blah 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 that's it i mean it's really the plot is like so secondary in aquaman i would say um yeah. Venture. yeah it's just like not important like who cares <laughs> and that's a good way to sum it up and there's uh it, it can get kind of complicated times with like there's a lot of different uh like lands that you're introduced to and different characters and uh uh different kingdoms of the underwater people but... uh, be careful about saying kingdoms of the underwater people because one of the kingdoms of the underwater people is actually like the desert but um, <laughs> if you'll remember that that oh, sequence, wow. um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not entirely underwater that one, but um, we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, I mean the like the basic the basic plot of it is like just a fight for who's going to be the king of like all of the all of the underwater. It's like a condensed Game of Thrones. Like, it's like, somebody needs the throne, royal bloodlines are involved, who's going to win this fight? Like, whatever. Like, it's really... And I say the plot is secondary because I felt like the movie was such just, like, a gleeful, like, like, reveling in, like, the absurdity that is Aquaman and the Aquaman lore. And, like, how they were... I mean, I was really impressed by how this movie was willing to just, like, go balls out on, like, how ridiculous the aquaman universe really is like yeah. like I, it, it was it, all over the place <laughs> it really takes like the only tat you can take well, with making an aquaman movie and that it, it absolutely doesn't take itself seriously but it does so like even more than most comic book movies would it's openly like campy at sometimes even i think it's super campy. Um, I yeah. thought, I mean, that, that's why I thought the movie was so good. Like, why I enjoyed it. I was like, this movie is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it understands exactly like what it needs to do to make Aquaman actually viable as a blockbuster film. And it plays right into like the campiness of the character. I mean, and, like, just what a ridiculous premise it is to begin with. Just some key elements of this movie that show up that are awesome. A lot of Lovecraft references. Oh yeah. A complete like shut like a middle finger to Lovecraft's entire like racist worldview is also involved in this film. Right. Like the whole thing. Did um, you see the um like the shot early on when they're showing um his backstory, like when his mom washed ashore and um got together with his dad? Um there's a shot 
um, that shows the a book of the Dunwich Horror by Lovecraft. Yeah, in there. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was great and like sort of like calling, uh, calling to mind the Lovecraftian influence in like the creatures and stuff that appear in this film. Right, and I mean, like, anytime you make a movie that has, like, large sea creatures and is largely sea-based, Lovecraft is probably involved. You know, like, just, like, some inspiration is probably being pulled from Lovecraft. I mean, the entire idea of, like, tentacle horror, like, (laughs) comes from Lovecraft. But, like, so I thought that was great. I thought the movie acknowledging its roots. But then also at the same time, like, Lovecraft's, like, biggest fear was just, like, mixing of different things. Like... And this movie was just like, F you. Like, we're all about mixing different things. Like, and so I thought that was so awesome because, like, it's, it can be hard. Like, Lovecraft can be a difficult read because he was, like, I mean, even for his time, one of the most horrifically racist and terrifying people. Yeah. Which is, which is hard to do. Yeah. (laughs) Hard to go back then and be the most racist person in the room. But yeah. yeah. And he was, uh, easily. Um, (laughs) so. You know, like, I thought it was, like, it walked this, like, great balance of being, like, you know, we are indebted to, like, the things he did for horror and, like, sea fiction, but also, like, because it should also be noted that James Wan, it, like, got his start in horror, you know? Um, oh, yeah. And so there are some scenes here uh, that really take its cues from that. I thought the the sequence, like, smack, like, in the middle, right before the climax or whatever, where they go to, like, the kingdom of the, the trench, and yeah, you see yeah. all of those creatures diving out of the water, and like they're these terrifying, scaly, spiky things, and they're just like thousands of them swarming around them. Was one genuinely terrifying? Like <laughs> I thought they were very frightening. And also, too, just like a really great nod towards James Wan's like roots and how he got big in the first place. Um, I really like James Wan, but um, so I was yeah. excited to just see him like nod towards that that aspect of his past. Um and also just like that's sort of like a reference towards like the Lovecraftian influence, just like being like the sea is horrifying, by the way, just FYI. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's great to see him still playing to his roots and uh, his strengths in the horror genre. Uh, and it's definitely good to see uh, someone like him come up from doing horror on like a shoestring budget to making a huge blockbuster film like this, which is just made almost a billion dollars now at the box office and still going crazy. Yeah. It surpassed wonder woman. I mean, wow. Yeah. Um, it's still like even last weekend, it was topped the box office again after having been out for what, like three weeks now. And that's crazy to me because I would venture to say that this is one of the like dorkiest movies I've like ever seen committed to like (laughs) absolutely major film. Like, yeah, it's just like pure. I mean, I didn't even finish my list of key things that show up in this movie. Dinosaurs are in this movie. There are literal just like dinosaurs out of nowhere. Um, oh there is a cover of Africa featuring Pitbull, which is just like. <laughs> All right. I forgot about that part. You have Jason Momoa like mugging for the camera, just like looking hot with muscles. You have Amber Heard just like mugging for the camera, looking hot with red hair, like just like being ridiculous the whole time. like. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what's going on half the time. I was like, I'm very confused. Um, the only person who seemed to think they were in a real movie was um, was Black Black Mantis or whatever. Like, oh my god, Black <laughs> Manta! Can we talk about his character? Like, just as an aside. Yes, um, um, we absolutely can. So, first of all, uh, like it was his 
like origin story near the beginning of the movie that pretty much right away clued me into how campy this movie was going to be. There's that scene where uh, they're in the sinking submarine that's filling up with water and Aquaman has thrown some heavy piece of the ship on top of uh, the guy who had become Black Manta's sort of surrogate father. And um, the guy's like going down with the ship and he he pulls out the grenade to make Black Manta go away. He's just like, just leave me here, like save yourself. And he's like, no! <laughs> it's just like the most absurdly over-the-top scene. And I was just like, okay, this movie is absolutely not taking itself seriously. This is going to be amazing. Um, and then later after he, so he, his whole thing is that he was trying to steal this uh, submarine that could be used in like a false flag attack on one of the kingdoms of Atlantis so that, um, I get what's his name? Uh, the the, the evil guy. Yeah, the brother uh, of Aquaman. Well, Ocean Master is his like villain name. Like he's an actual villain, but Orm. Orm. So he launches this false flag attack with the submarine to to convince the kingdoms to unite behind him, and um, so after the Black Manta's dad gets killed by Aquaman, he is like. I don't even want to get paid for helping you steal this submarine. I just want you to help me take down Aquaman. And so they give him their uh, Atlantean technology to help him fight. And he makes this absurd Black Manta costume out it's of it. It's so funny. <laughs> when he shows up in it for the first time, like I cannot believe that is the design. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. Just like the helmet is so ridiculous and bulbous and he's like walking around in it like he's like yeah you know how tough i look i'm like this is just the most ridiculous thing i've ever seen and then he gets beaten like so quickly and just gets like knocked off a cliff (laughs) oh yeah and that like crazy scene in like sicily um yeah (laughs) and it's like well that was like the most ineffectual villain i've ever seen but he was so funny like every time he was i know he was such like a weird like secondary like thought for the movie like they were just like oh we should put black manta in there because it should be clear that black manta is like the biggest aquaman villain like he's definitely like the most well-known like the most commonly recurring like black manta is a regular feature and they were just like eh, whatever like he's the one (laughs) that's spoofed in spongebob the most so you know that it's got that cultural cachet there right so yeah black manta was a very bizarre (laughs) bizarre character um (laughs) i mean there are so many bizarre things about this movie i mean this movie features willem dafoe riding a shark i (laughs) i don't know what else you need to know about a movie before you decide that you have to see it like, but yeah. I feel like Willem to show Willem Dafoe riding a shark is like enough for me. It's like worth somebody it says that, that to me, I'm like, I'm I'm there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, oh man, all the scenes where um, there were like flashbacks of Willem Dafoe's character teaching Aquaman like how to 
breathe underwater, how to fight, stuff like that. Where With they his pulled back hair. Yeah. Where they showed the young version of Willem Dafoe. That was like Yeah. That was very <laughs> unnerving. <laughs> that uh, I don't know. I didn't like that. Did not like that at all. I am with you on that one. Yeah. Um <laughs> that was a little creepy. But um yeah, I don't know if the the CGI or age regression technology or whatever was quite there on that one. Um I mean we've seen that done before with like um Princess Leia in Rogue One. That was frightening though. Like that that yeah. was really disturbing to look at. I don't know. Uh uh it the technology is just like not quite there. Like it's impressive, but at the same time it's like, uh it's really it's this is gonna look weird in like ten years. And it already looks weird now. Right. I'm glad they're <laughs> trying, but it it looks a little creepy right now. Sorry, I've just um I was looking at the cast list. I just have it open. And I forgot that the voice of this giant, like, Cthulhu, like, Leviathan thing that, like, decides to team up with Aquaman in the end is Julie Andrews. Like, <laughs> oh my God. who approached Julie Andrews and said, by the way, do you want to be an Aquaman? Oh, sure. What am I doing? Well, actually, you're not going to be in it. You're just going to voice a giant thing whose tentacles attack Aquaman and then changes the course of the war. Okay, sure. Well, do I like, get to sing? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Why Julie Andrews? Why is it Julie Andrews? But I don't know. But that can only be explained by the fact that this is Aquaman. Like, Aquaman is just that movie that, like, goes all out. Like, yeah. <laughs> Dolph really... Lundgren is King Narius. Hilarious. Already oh, great. Yeah. Like, why is Dolph Lundgren in this movie? I don't know. But why not? Like, why, why not? shouldn't he be? <laughs> um, yeah. Like... Oh, gosh, it's just so funny. Like, I don't know. I loved Aquaman. I thought it was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so just like every aspect of it. Like, looking at the cast list, did you notice that Leigh Whannell was in this movie as a as a cameo? I didn't. No, I, I was glad to see that afterwards. Uh, obviously, uh, he's best known for his collaborations with James Wan making the Saw movies. Um, yeah. More recently, he made the fantastic movie Upgrade, which we both yes. watched this summer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, good to see they're still keeping in touch and working together. Uh, yeah, but I'll have to go yeah, back and look for him next time I watch that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just think that's really cool. Um, I didn't know. I didn't notice him in it either. And you would have thought I did because I really like Lionel. I had like a huge crush on that guy like after oh, the yeah. first saw. So um, when I was in high school, so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And uh, just reading that is pretty exciting. I hope Leigh Whannell keeps doing cool things. But Leigh yeah. Whannell is not the f- the focus of this conversation. It's did James, you, like, James Wan's movie. But. Yeah. Did you ever watch the uh, short version of Saw? Like of the, course. the original did, one they made? Where uh, we've talked about this. We've talked about my <laughs> Saw thing, right? Like Saw was my first fandom. I wrote Saw fan fiction. I was involved <laughs> on Saw forums. I did Saw role playing on the internet. Oh, my. Like I did role playing games. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> this is what my life was. Yeah, I love come out saw. With saw stuff. <laughs> yeah, he plays like the uh, the Amanda character in that uh, mm-hmm. in that short. So he's sort of the original Jigsaw victim, in addition to being the writer of those first movies. 
Yeah. We really need to do like a sub series, just like one by one taking down the Saw franchise. Cause oh. I can talk for like hours about each Saw movie, I think. So <laughs> we're definitely uh, going to extensively explore Saw at some point. Yeah. I mean, Saw has to be like, I can't do more than one movie per episode. Like, that's like a real, like, this is like a mini series. This is like yeah. a, <laughs> um, I could, I mean, I can talk for so long about the, the healthcare saw. So, I mean, <laughs> the healthcare saw, healthcare saw, best saw, really. Healthcare saw, best saw. <laughs> I don't know. The, the saw with, oh, this is no longer funny. Never mind. It's going to be a Chester <laughs> Bennington joke, but I oh, can't no, do that. No, no. <laughs> um, uh, I forgot. Um, literally RIP. I mean, that's really sad. Yeah. Um, I love Chester Bennington, but I, Same. yeah. I mean, remembering that he was in that one Saw movie is still like, that was funny when it happened. It's <laughs> still kind of like ridiculous. Um, yeah, that was a great scene. But uh, yes, well, it was inevitable that we touch on Saw at some point. Uh, if we mention James Wan and Leigh Whannell. Um, <laughs> James Wan, James we know you've done more than Saw. We're glad to see your career move ahead. But we just love those movies. I mean, yeah, this is his biggest. I mean, this is his biggest movie. Yeah. This is it. Like this is him like announcing himself as a blockbuster director. And, I don't uh, know if it'll be his big biggest way. like I mean I mean he's directed I mean he directed the conjuring movies. Yeah, I mean he's made much bigger movies than yeah. Saw before, but and like he's right. he's had a career for decades now, but this is by far the biggest thing. I mean, the first done. conjuring made how much money? I mean it's a ton. Oh, okay, never mind. Just a ton for horror. This made yeah. like three times that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a ton for horror is a completely different ballpark from making a billion dollars. Oh my gosh, I also forgot he did all of the Insidious me. movies. Yeah. Oh, wait, he did. Okay, never mind. This is not his biggest movie. He directed Furious 7. Oh, and that was bigger? It's $1.5 billion. Wow. Box well, office. I mean, this could be on its way there. It could, yeah. The Furious Seven has been out since 2015, so it's had like almost four years to build up that that box office. Yeah. And box office, I'm assuming on Wikipedia, also means like home release. I think so. Um, but yeah. yeah, so he's yeah. This is like definitely his second biggest so far, and probably I mean his highest profile. Like I don't think anyone's going to talk about. I mean, nobody's talked about Furious Seven since its release. Yeah, I mean Aquaman could be talked about as Aquaman and Wonder Woman are turning points for the DC universe. Like they yeah, I, mean, cha- I think they have changed the way the DC universe is going to be moving forward. So this is a big deal. Yeah, the Fast and the Furious franchise has sort of been chugging along at its own pace for years, you know, just consistently putting out stuff that does well at the box office and pleases the fans. But yeah, this one really sort of along with Wonder Woman, changes the game for DC, I think. Uh, it really has given them new a, a new flash in the pan where they've seen some pretty big failures recently. Um, and it's good to see like a, a good movie in there because, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely like the Marvel movies more than DC. Um, but it's good to see... But if... It's good to just have good stuff on this side. You know, if the DC movies were all good too, then I wouldn't have so much to complain about. I don't know. If DC could all be like this, I mean, honestly, I would be more in for this. Like, yeah. I like campy. That's what I want out of a superhero movie. Like, 
I think I like Marvel movies, but I do think they take themselves kind of seriously. Um, They think that they're like legitimate, like serious films. I think there are some exceptions to that. I think like Spider-Man Homecoming took itself exactly the way it needed to. Like, um, I, and I love Spider-Man Homecoming just to be, but this is like, this is the highest grossing DC universe film to date. I'm pretty sure. Wow. So (laughs) yeah. uh, Cause Wonder Woman was right. Cause yeah, yeah, it is. This is the highest grossing DC universe film to date. That includes Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman, which you would have thought would have done well because they were still early and didn't suffer from like (laughs) fatigue. But Oh my god, remember when everyone thought that Batman versus Superman was gonna do better than Infinity War? That's embarrassing. (laughs) And that Marvel was dumb for releasing that uh, in the same year. I mean, we could talk about Infinity War all day. I'm a huge Infinity War fan too. Like, mm-hmm. like Batman versus Superman is nothing compared to that movie. And I don't even hate Batman versus Superman as much as some people because I admire ambition. I think it really botched its ambition. But um. yeah. oh god, <laughs> you know, I I I really do hate that movie. <laughs> I know a lot of I people am, do, and I see I why. nothing good to say about it. I mean, I I do. I do have a begrudging respect for Zack Snyder and I actually like legitimately like several movies that he've, he's done, but especially like how I feel about Michael Bay. Like, yeah, <laughs> especially recently it's like, Oh my God, like reel it in a little bit. So uh, I don't like his directing style, but I do, I do think that the cool thing about Batman versus Superman is that I feel like it's like, intentionally the anti-marvel movie like it is like trying so hard to be everything that marvel isn't right like just like so self-serious and like intentionally unpleasant like it does not want you to enjoy watching it i feel and so like i can respect that even if i don't like it because it's like well i never want to see this again like like (laughs) i had a terrible time but (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I guess I could kind of get behind by that. I I could kind of get behind that if that if it wasn't like an hour to an hour and a half too long. It's so long. Like, like you at a certain point it just becomes torture for the audience, especially for me specifically. Like for you specifically, and that's what matters here. Come on, make more movies for me, Zack Snyder. Please, Zach. That's all we ask. But, like, on the plus side, like, Shazam looks kind of fun. Like, like I'll, sh- yeah. I, you know, so, like, I feel like they could be on the way up, you know? Because um, Shazam, Birds of Prey, then we have Wonder Woman in the Flash. Like, I don't know. Those could all be good. So. Yeah. Um, Wait, we're not, now we're saying that Birds of Prey could be good? Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn is probably not going to be good. Oh, boy. <laughs> but I, like, have some hope because it is... You know, it's Margot Robbie still. Um, I mean, she like was one of the best parts of Suicide Squad. So if you cut out she's a lot the of best the parts of most things she's in, right? Like, she's great. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that could be good. And it does, while I think the name is stupid, it does give them, like, the idea that maybe they're, like, not really taking themselves too seriously. Like, it's going to be funny, you know? That's true. Yeah. Um, And maybe that's just going to be their thing from now on. They're just going to make it a lighthearted alternative to Marvel. Yeah. So, you know Shazam, right? 
Shazam is the next one, which you've seen the trailers for, right? I assume. Uh, I don't think I have. I mean, I it's, know I've heard of it, but I don't stars know. Zachary Levi. He's he plays. So he plays Shazam. Do you know the premise of Shazam? No, I know it's not the same as Kazam. With it is not the same as Kazam. Um, it's not a genie movie starring Sinbad, which everyone so... seems to remember from the nineties, but doesn't exist. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Um, so Shazam is basically about a young teen called Billy Batson. He's an orphan. He find like he gets his power from another realm, where it's in like this old wizard who's like, "Hey, by the way, like if you say Shazam." you can transform into like the, your like, I don't know this like wizard form. Like he gets a power. If he says Shazam, he becomes like the superhero version of himself. Uh Superhero version is played by Zach Levi. So Mm -hmm. like he says Shazam and he becomes this like adult guy with like all of these powers, you know? Um, And so like, it's just like a setup for like humor basically. Like it's like, you know, it's an adult playing like a kid half the time. Like, um, that sort of thing. Um, but it's directed by David Sandberg, who directed Lights Out and Annabelle Creation previously. Ooh. Which is like an interesting, just like those are the his only other two directorial efforts. Like, so like he's coming from a pretty serious horror background. Like he's done a lot of short films too that I haven't seen all of. But he did the Lights Out original horror short, if you ever saw that, that like four minute mm-hmm. short, uh, which scared the crap out of me. Um <laughs> But both Lights Out and Animal Creation were also very frightening. Oh, so, yeah. Animal Creation was great. Yeah. I mean, Lights Out was too until like the ending. Um, so, and I don't blame him for that. I just blame the story. I don't think he could, he could salvage it. Um, yeah. So I think that's interesting. Like, I don't know what his influence will be on that. I do also think it's interesting that that's like two major DC Universe films in a row that they are pulling from largely horror directors. Yeah, to and create. I wonder if we're gonna start seeing more of this now that, like, horror is sort of seeing a bit of a resurgence. If some of these directors are gonna be scooped up for um, the bigger um, superhero studio picture kind of gigs, right? It's hard to say because, like, um, you know, Wonder Woman is keeping the same director, right? Uh, we know that for a fact. Um, and that's great. She should stay on. Um, and uh, the Birds of Prey one has a, a female director who I've never seen anything from, but Kathy Yan. Um, I don't. I haven't seen her her work. No. But um, the 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 other one is the Flash, which is getting the director of a bunch of just like comedies, like Waiting and Horrible Bosses. Um, Burt Wonderstone, which by the way, I don't know who remembers that that movie existed. Um, uh, was that the one about the magicians? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing that movie. Um but like also the big thing is it's two directors and um most recently they did Game Night together. Ooh. And Game Night was great. I oh, mean, I like Game Night. Funny movie. So, um I guess they're going with funny for The Flash is my guess. So, I do think mm-hmm. it's interesting that they're going like pulling from horror directors but also leaning into the horror. Mhm. Um, I think that that's probably a like leaning into the humor is a good choice for them. I think that that's like a good, like not antidote to Marvel because Marvel is funny. Um, that is like a big thing. They like make all of their characters super funny and quirky, but they do it <laughs> yeah. while like in a very rote 
like there's a there's a Marvel template. I like Marvel, but it's very clear that there's like one template for these movies and they want you to use it and they're going to destroy any like director like creativity. Like you couldn't even get Ant-Man, but like Edgar an Edgar oh, Wright God. movie to start with. Like that's such a to feel like an Edgar Wright movie. Like I would love to see well cuz he had to leave cuz of creative differences but i would which was marvel's fault let's be clear Uh, i I think it i think it absolutely was um but i would love to see what the edgar wright ant-man would have actually looked like Um, yeah not that i mean i liked ant-man but i I would love to see what edgar wright would have done with it right um but i i mean they did have thor ragnarok recently which feels a little more like a directorial piece um that has a little actual vision behind it so I, I think, loved Thor Ragnarok. I mean, I didn't even like Thor before then, but I liked yeah, Thor Ragnarok. So, no, um, so I think they, for, at least for the smaller pictures, they're willing to ease up a little bit on the reins. But and yeah, like, definitely Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, that felt like a, like it had character. Oh um, yeah, definitely. It, it's going to be interesting to see what um the part three. I don't want to think about like it. Don't, don't even. <laughs> I'm um, still mad about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> God. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> but like, I mean, even like with, uh, in terms of DC, like their next, they have the Batman too, um, coming up on their slate and the Matt, the director they've chosen is Matt Reeves and Matt Reeves did Cloverfield and Ooh. the two of the planet of the, the recent planet of the apes movies. Like, it's really strange choices that they're making. And I think that they could be smart choices if they play them right. Like, you know, so yeah, I mean, those they are do. big effects, heavy pictures. So, um, you can sort of see the, I love the idea of a Batman movie made by somebody who does like action sci-fi with a tinge of horror. Like, Oh yeah. That's like what Batman should be. I would and I think really that's really cool. Oh, also a- Matt Reeves did let me in. So, um <laughs> Ooh, yeah see i'd love to see a, a horror heavy batman movie me too i don't know if we'll ever get it but i would i would love i would love it too batman with like the villain is the scarecrow and it's like pure mm-hmm. horror would be great yeah um, oh, like something like arkham asylum like the video game just yes on the bo- i thought you were talking screen. about uh, a happy place on happy earth but okay uh, it's a one of the graphic novels um okay well there's also the arkham asylum uh graphic novel as well yes. that is also sure. very horror heavy i want like a, a batman movie that is like kind of gritty that features like the scarecrow victor zaz and the mad hatter and is just oh. like really really like creepy and weird like that's what i want out of a batman movie someday man i i don't know if the studio would ever go so far as to do zaz that like they would never do zaz <laughs> that would be like <laughs> that's literally an a hard r horror film like yeah. That's like a David Fincher movie. Like, it's too brutal. It's just like there's no way you can do that character in like a family friendly or PG thirteen sort of way. I mean, you can't even really do Mad Hatter that way because Mad Hatter's whole shtick is mind control, sort of, but also like he kidnaps girls and thinks they're Alice. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not gonna play well. So oh, like, um, yeah, like. There's a lot of cool stuff in Batman lore that I would love to see get brought into the movies. Um, 
but they never yeah. will. I bet the the Batman has the Joker in it somehow. I don't know. I'm I mean I'm being disillusioned. I'm just worried that it's going to be a Joker movie again. Well, if I have to see of, one more Joker. Well, what do you think of the new uh, Joker movie that's going to be coming out soon? Uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, the um, Joaquin Phoenix one. I mean, I'm intrigued. I love Joaquin Phoenix. Like. <laughs> He's great, yeah. He's awesome. He's one so, of my favorite actors. So if same. anyone show me a new side of the Joker, it'd probably be him. It's Joaquin Phoenix. Like, um, I, I do think Jared Leto must just like cry himself to sleep at night. But like, <laughs> it could have been me. It could have been me. Jared Leto. I don't know. You just look like G Easy in some makeup. So I, I doubt it. damage on my forehead for real. <laughs> Jared Leto. Jared Leto lies awake at night and he's like, "I sent used condoms to Viola Davis." <laughs> <laughs> he actually did that. One. <laughs> <laughs> and he thought that that would get him a future role. So weird. The craft. Um. i'm just so glad that we're moving beyond that honestly (laughs) like we have decided collectively that that's not worth pursuing i don't know i still think his version might show up in the next suicide squad movie oh my god stop oh my god teddy okay (laughs) calm i'm calm birds of prey in the fatabulous emancipation of one harley quinn 2020 in April 2018, they announced Kathy Yan, blah, 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 blah. In addition to mm-hmm. Margot Robbie's starring role, the team roster will also include Mary Elizabeth Winstead, great, some yes. other cast, blah, 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 respectively. Black Mask will serve as the film's primary antagonist with Ooh. Ewan McGregor p- portraying the character, and Chris Messina will be portraying Victor Zaz. Yo. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> I take it back, DC. Might be, might actually be leaning in on this one. We'll see. I don't know why Chris Messina is the one that they've chosen to play Victor <laughs> Sauce. Like, what has he done? Argo? But, like, <laughs> okay. Um, okay. But that's fine. Um, so that could be really cool. It could be good. I do think that they're probably going to make it kind of campy, though. Like, so I, yeah. I mean, I would rather see like a really like gritty, serious take on Victor Zaz. Um, oh yeah, but God, he is definitely one of the more creepy villains in the Batman. He's so world. creepy. Do we know if he ever showed up in Gotham, the TV show? I don't know. I had to stop watching that. It was. Like, oh, did it get really bad? Well, I just I couldn't after the Joker fake out. I just couldn't take it, and I think that. Oh, I haven't might... watched it, so I don't know what that means. Oh, uh, well, they like they built up this one kid as like possibly being the Joker and then they killed him off. And so it's clear like he wasn't the Joker. OK, uh, but like, I don't I don't know. Like, I think they might have brought him back as well. So I am I could just totally be wrong about this. But at least at that point, I was just like, oh, I'm done with this. Like, I was already kind of bored with it. Right. And like, I was mildly interested in the idea of them having the joker in there and then they killed off that character i was just like ah whatever i'm just okay i understand just the fact that i was watching anything on the cw at all was quite a coup so right like they should be proud just the fact that they got me that you watched (laughs) yeah (laughs) um Um, but yeah i mean i I don't even have that much time for tv these days so no i don't watch um, tv either but uh, sometimes i'll watch like comic book series um 
and like I'll watch like comic series and horror series occasionally. Oh but, yeah, um, I I have to watch the horror series. Um, yeah, but I've fallen off that bandwagon too. So like I haven't. Horror. When have I watched American Horror Story anytime recently? But um, I always I always find myself leaning back into it. I usually watch the seasons in two halves. Like the first half when I remember that they're doing American Horror Story that I'll watch half it and be like, oh, oh my God, I can't believe this. And then I'll forget about it for a few months. And then I'll be like, all right, I should finish this up and I'll binge it and be done. I keep going back to it. It's never, it's never amazing, but it's usually kind of fun. I wish I knew how to quit you. Yeah, exactly. To American Horror Story, apparently. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Gazing longingly into its eyes. Hmm. At some point we were talking about Aquaman. Um, <laughs> we were, yeah. Um, <laughs> we got into quite the DC uh, sidebar. Is there, is there anything else you'd like to specifically address from Aquaman? No, just that I think people should see it. I think yeah. it's like a really fun, ridiculous movie that knows what it is and is just like enjoying being the first time Aquaman's been on the big screen. Like, like, just like revelish like reveling in its own existence and it's awesome like it's super exciting so i don't know i thought it was a lot of fun i had a blast watching it like yeah i think i gave it four out of five stars on letterbox so i was like f yes like wow be dorky and ridiculous please like because it was just like such such a fun time like i couldn't really say that much bad about it because it was like anything i say bad about it seems so beside the point like yeah, I could say that the plot makes really like no sense. Like, I don't know what's happening, yeah. but like, I don't think the movie cared. So, what am I accomplishing by bashing it? Like, <laughs> like yeah, there's just crazy fun action and interesting, colorful characters. So, and like, Jason Momoa and Amber Heard are like a steamy, fun couple. Like, whatever. Like, we all know what's gonna happen, but it's like <laughs> fun to watch them be will they, won't they for a while. Like, yeah. You get to see Amber Heard run around in a ridiculous red wig. Like, sure. Yeah. Like, get to see her jump out of that plane into the desert. Redheads. Gotta, Gotta love them. them. <laughs> um, Been waiting months to hear that line. It's, uh, oh my gosh, really? I feel like we talked about it every time we mentioned Aquaman. <laughs> um, it's also worth mentioning that in my audience, I was surrounded by like a really mixed crowd. Just like go in like knowing that this movie's ridiculous because I was clearly surrounded by people who thought this was going to be a serious film, oh, like yeah. film with like a like an accent over the eye, like <laughs> like because they would like at one point it, it was at the point where they're like we have to go to the kingdom of the whatever and they show up in the desert and he was just like what and he like audibly like was upset at the fact that they're in the desert and not underwater and i was like did you think everything was going to be just underwater the whole time like even i knew like better than that like how much money would that be like yeah like and also just like it makes sense that the water levels would change and that some of the kingdoms wouldn't be underwater anymore. Although, if anything, the water levels are going up. But whatever. Um, the movie does <laughs> allude to that, too. More um, underwater. Yeah, there's a very uh, prominent environmental message to the movie, sort of. That um, so, Let's go with sort of, because I don't know that the movie's so, really committed to it. No, it's no, just it's like, not strong. No, by the way. <laughs> well, because especially it's like the villain's motivation that he's like, we have to fight back against the humans who are ruining the planet. 
which is like, okay, yeah, we agree with this 100%. So why is he the bad guy again? <laughs> right, yeah, it does that thing. I don't really know that it's effective in that because it's like he's still like the bad guy because he just wants to like wage war for no real reason. Right. Like he has a reason, but like there are definitely better alter like you don't have to fight a war to do this. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. but um, so it's it's tangentially environmental in its focus. Um yes. But but it's like environmental from the point of view of the bad guy, which is really funny. Yeah, no. No, um, we should have the good guy be environmental as well. Um, yeah. Honestly, there's a rich and storied history of putting like liberal perspectives in villains' mouths, but that's like a conversation for another day. Ooh boy. Um, <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Aquaman was good. I thought it was good. It I really I thought it was my favorite DC movie so far. Um if yeah. that's the direction they want to go in, I will be happy. Stop taking yourself so seriously. Have a good time. Let me yeah. see Aquaman surrounded by dinosaurs riding on a shark and an army of giant crab men like why not <laughs> oh also God, like shark steeds were so much fun shark steeds there's sharks. the jar jar binks of the undersea world like were happening at some point and there's like the kingdom where they're like you're all poets and writers and i was like great what's wrong with that um like i don't know what a strange movie i loved it. aquaman takes selfies with people in a pub great <laughs> Yes, that was that was amazing. I love that when like like the big tough looking guy came up. It was like you're that guy. You're that underwater man. And uh, you're, you're, no, like, he actually says, "Hey, you that fish boy from the news." <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> uh, and like you know, like oh no, something bad's about to go down. He's like, "You take a picture with us." Yeah. <laughs> then they all party together. And they get drunk at the bar. They get yeah, drunk. That was fun. Because Aquaman can drink like a fish and then drive his truck. Apparently, yeah. But he drives it literally immediately afterwards. His dad can there. still somehow drink him under the table despite him being. Although he has to then carry his like dad to a truck him. and drive him home. So. That's true. That is true. Um, for my like actual in theater experience of this movie, um, since we like to focus on um, just the the theater aspect as well as just seeing the movie. Um, I, since I live pretty close to a movie theater, I basically just like went over there in my slippers because <laughs> it was late at night. I I was like, all right, I'm going to see this movie late, but I'm going to put like no effort into getting ready to go out there. I'm just going to go over my slippers, get a walk to the theater and just like relax in the recliners. Um, and then I went in, um, watched the trailers, movie starts, and the lights were still on. <laughs> <laughs> the lights had been on the, like they were on full the whole time. Like usually they go down a little bit for the trailers. They were all the way up during the trailers. I was like, that seems a little bright, but you know, you're like, oh, I'm sure they'll go off by the time the movie starts. Movie starts, lights are still up. I'm looking around. Nobody's going to do anything. I'm like, crap. I'm the only one who realizes that this isn't going to fix itself. Cause I know they don't like, they don't have anyone up at the booth at this point. Like they projectionists right. have been pretty much relegated to like either floor staff or the, um, or the management takes care of it themselves. So I'm like, uh, nobody's in the booth who's going to see this. 
So I have to run downstairs in my slippers to tell somebody about it. I'm just <laughs> like, I'm regretting this choice right now. <laughs> I was like, run down. I was like, we're in theater eight. The lights are still on. Movie just started. Can you please fix it? Goodbye. <laughs> so I did miss the very beginning of that movie, but well, that's okay. It was well worth it. People thanked me on the way back in. I was very proud to have helped improve people's movie experience. Right. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, but yeah. I mean, great movie. Go see it while it's still in theaters. It's a good spectacle. I was going to say, it's um, worth seeing in on the big screen. Yeah. I might try to see it again in 3D if I can. Oh, that'd be fun. I think it'd be good in 3D. Yeah. I only saw it in the 2D. Um, yeah, me too. I did see the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse in 3D recently and in the 40X theater, which was I... insanely fun. So I saw uh, Spider-Man in 3D, not in 4DX. I haven't seen anything in 4DX. I saw Mary Poppins in the Dolby Cinema. Um, how's that? It was good. I mean, the sound is great. That's the whole purpose of the Dolby, right? Is just the sound. Right. I mean, you the the screen is pretty big too, but the sound is a big thing. Uh, and it was great. And I think Mary Poppins was the right choice for that in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, the musical sound is very prominent. Yeah. Um, and I saw something else in 3D recently. What did I see in 3D? I'm sure I told you about it. Um, I can't remember what it was. I literally have the 3D glasses sitting next to me, though, and I know that wasn't from Spider-Man because I you threw those away. Um, well, I, yeah, I, with Spider-Man, I dumped them in the, like, return your 3D glasses thing. Yeah. This one, I just happened to have thrown them into my pocket, and I forgot about them as I was walking oh, out. Okay. So I have them. I'm holding them now. I'm holding 3D glasses. And right. I'm trying to remember what I saw in 3D. Um, yeah, but like already seeing that many movies in 3D within one 365-day period is like the most I've done in a really long time. Um, yeah. No, I, I've seen two in the last month or so, which is... I can't even remember the last time I saw one in 3D before then. Right. Like, I never did that. I didn't want to. I didn't like seeing them in 3D. Oh, I saw Ralph Breaks the Internet in 3D. Right. That was the one for me. The other one yeah. recently. Yeah. And that makes sense. Of course, I saw Ralph Breaks the Internet in 3D. I think um, animated movies usually look pretty good in 3D. And Aquaman might as well be an animated movie for half the time. Yeah. So. There's a lot of CGI in that movie. And most of it looks pretty good. It does. There are some moments that don't. But, um... That, yeah, that that's fine. That one scene in like the court where it's like the long hallway with all the um the Atlanteans on either side looked yeah. kind of put together, you know, like it looked right. like you were looking at like a a scene that had been composited from many elements. Right. Yes, I agree with that. I agree with you. But other than that, like I thought it worked. CGI looked great. Yeah, I thought it was and good. A lot of it was very difficult because, like, they had to look like they were underwater a lot of the time. They had to like have the hair, hair has to look really in good. the water. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was noticeable, but it looked like quite realistic for right. what must be a very difficult bit of CGI, like making realistic wave currents 
in somebody's hair. Like hair is already difficult and water is already difficult, but combining the two of them has got to be like crazy difficult. Yes, you're right. You are absolutely not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's Aquaman. Yeah. Go check it out. A lot of fun. Please do. Um, I would say check out Vice 2. Matt would probably say no. We'll see. I do think Vice is worth seeing just because it's like a cultural conversation right now. And I think it's worth engaging with things that are trying to engage with our political climate. So like, you know, if you live in the United States and engage with our political situation, then you should see Vice. And if you live in the United States and do not engage with our political situation, then shame on you and you should engage (laughs) with our political situation. So then you should see Vice. Um, (laughs) So like, it's still worth seeing. It's just that I thought that the, I didn't appreciate where the movie was coming from. And as a result, I can't endorse it as like a good movie, but um, you know, that's okay. Um, But Um, yeah, yeah, that's where I stand. So yeah, that's that. (laughs) I, I think if you, if you think you'll enjoy it, you probably will. I mean, we both. Yeah, right. I definitely our... went in knowing I probably wouldn't because I knew how I felt about the director. So, yeah. And same for me, but the opposite. So we'll see. Right. Um. So anything else uh, before we wrap up? No. I think, um, yeah, just uh, if you feel like it, check us out on Twitter. We're at Buzzed on Movies. Uh, and uh, yeah, give us a follow. Yeah, give us a follow, tweet at us, retweet, whatever you want. Um, we're trying to build up a presence there. And we're trying to figure out some sort of incentive system. Maybe if you uh, if you retweet our latest episode, we'll do a shot for you on the next one. Give you a shout out and dedicate that shot to you. Uh, oh, man. We'll see. Uh, that's about... <laughs> I, I don't think we're going to get enough retweets that it'll put us under the table. Yeah, but, but if we keep that up as like a, a regular thing, like you know, you never know. Uh, no, I, I dare you. I dare you to retweet. I know you're right. I want it to happen. I want to get so many retweets that we're like alcohol poisoning by the end of an episode. But like, I don't know if I'll go that far. But uh, I mean, we'll I'd see. probably stop before I got there. But you know my point. Like, be like, okay, now I'm also taking a shot for this person, and it's water. But like, Sprite. Um, basically alcohol um <laughs> yeah but yeah um so yeah check out the twitter um you can uh subscribe to us and rate us on itunes uh we're also on spotify google play music google podcasts and uh we just got added to pocket casts recently so um yeah check us out on any of those platforms pretty much any place you can find podcasts uh, if there's something you do use that we're not on, let us know. We'll get right on it. And um, yeah, just give us a shout out. Tell us what you think. And um, yeah, so until next time, uh, we'll see you at the movies. See you at the movies. <laughs>